Welcome, everybody, for another episode of Books, Kids, and Creations with Tracy Bloom. And this podcast focuses on people who inspire children with their work. And today we are speaking with somebody who's extremely inspirational and has brought a lot of joy to a lot of children's lives, Dennis Spiegel, the founder and owner of International Theme Parks Association. Welcome, Dennis. Hi, Trace. How are you? Good to see I'm you. Good. I'm so excited to have you here today. Yeah, and, I'm excited um, to be here. Yes. So Dennis is in Cincinnati, Ohio, correct? Correct. We're in Cincy. Yes, but Dennis has done over 500 projects on different roller coasters and theme parks around the world. So he is quite the jet setter. Yeah, yeah. I have now, Tracy, I'm just a little bit over... 12 million air miles. Oh my gosh. I think somebody told me I've been to the moon 20 times and back. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. So so talk about how you got started in this in this field because you know when you think about somebody who creates roller coasters or designs theme parks, it just seems like such a large um thing to tackle. So how did you get started with this? Well, uh, when I was a young boy, about 13 years old, uh, the superintendent of my school uh, worked at Coney Island here in Cincinnati at the auto gate where people came in and paid to come in Coney Island. And Coney Island, uh, as you may remember, was the forerunner to Kings Island, one of the greatest theme parks in, in the world today. And um, he needed some help at the front gate uh, during the summer. And he chose me to come and work with him at Coney Island. So as a 13-year-old boy, I worked at the auto gate at Coney Island, taking tickets, making change. Um, and I did that through junior high school, through high school, and I worked there through college. Uh, that was my summer job. I had a few other things that I did as I got older, uh, other jobs to pay for college. But being there at Coney Island and seeing the park and being around it every day uh, at that age, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the business. And I said, this is really what I want to do. And I had a cashier, uh, Evelyn Loft, who who worked with me there. And she said, you're going to be uh, an executive in this company someday. And uh, that she told me that at about 16 years old. So uh, <clears throat> I did work there. And uh, a lot of what goes on in a person's life is luck. But a lot of it's supported by that luck is supported by hard work. And uh, it was it so happened that Coney Island, <clears throat> incidentally, was a park here in Cincinnati that Walt Disney came to many, many times. Hmm. He he loved this park when he was planning Disneyland in California, and he became friends with the uh, Walks family and the Schott family. Hmm. And he would come to get ideas, and this is uh, he'd go around the country, but they loved this park, Coney, and he got ideas for that. So. Later on, after he built Disney World, uh, 
there was a fellow by the name of Fess Parker who was the original Davy Crockett in the television series and later Daniel Boone. And he worked with Walt Disney. He saw <clears throat> the success of a theme park and him being Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett on television. He came to Boone County right across the river, which you'd be familiar with, mm -hmm. and he was going to build a theme park and call it uh, Davy Crockett or, or Daniel Boone Land. And uh, we knew that if that happened, the Coney Island family did, that they would be out of business. And Gary Walks, <clears throat> who was running the parks at that time, he had been trying to promote and sell the idea of building a new theme park. Well, long story. Tap Broadcasting and Coney Island came together, and uh, together we built Kings Island. Back to me, I happen to be a young man just now graduating from college. Uh, the family liked me. Mr. Walks liked me, and they hired me to come in and be a part of this team. And from that was in back in, the, in 1969, and from 69 forward, I've been in the theme park business full-time, and... Uh, Probably one of my proudest achievements was I was president of the International Association of Amusement Parks, which is everybody, including Disney and Universal, SeaWorld, Kings Island, and all the parks. So that's kind of how I got my start and uh, started as a ticket taker and still doing it today. <laughs> Move, moved way up the ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was sometimes it was more fun just taking the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yep. That's it. And so over time, you've, you've designed a lot of different coasters also, haven't you? Well, we, we have a lot of friends in the coaster fabrication manufacturing business and uh, you know, roller coaster is still king of the park attractions. All right. Uh, when an amusement park or a theme park wants to get, a pop at the front gate and attendance. They'll put in a new roller coaster because everybody loves them. Yeah. And uh, we've worked with a lot of a uh, lot of manufacturers, uh, with the exception of a couple like Premier Rides, located up in Baltimore, Maryland, who, who've done rides at Kings Island uh, and all all around the world. Uh, most of them are in Europe. They're in Switzerland. They're in um, Liechtenstein, they're in uh, Italy, uh, Germany, uh, the Mach family over in Germany. Um, but when we're planning a roller coaster for a park, <clears throat> um, I'll sit down with them and say, we need a big start, we need a big finish, and we need something exciting in between. And I think probably the best example of that would be the Beast at Kings Island. Uh, you've got that wonderful first drop on the beast. You got the whoop-de-doos that go out and lift you out of your seat. You do all of that, and then you come to another chain that takes you up another hill, and you're getting towards the middle of the ride. And then you go down through a 560-degree tunnel, which you think you're going to fly off the tracks, 
you go through that tunnel, you come out, hit a few more hills and whoop-de-doos, and you're in the station, you go, wow, what a ride. As so, you're saying that, I'm I'm <laughs> recalling moments from my childhood of every, I can just see those exact things because I've ridden that ride so many times. <laughs> well, it uh, we built that ride in 1979, I think it was. And uh, today, all those years later, it's still in the top roller coasters in the United States. It's a mile and a half long, takes four and a half, four and a half minutes to ride it. And, uh, you know, it's quite quite an experience. Uh, of the wooden coasters, and I've ridden pretty many coasters around the world, it's still, it's still my favorite. And so when you design a coaster for, say, a country or a place, you know, somewhere that's not America or... Yeah, yeah. Um, I design for coasters in Egypt and Germany and um, all over the place. Do you have to do research on the different cultures and and what it would look like and what would you know appeal to the people in different cultures? Yeah, really. And and it's changed so much through the years. When I started this company, ITPS, uh, thirty eight years ago, uh, we didn't have uh, Stream. We didn't have Zoom. We didn't have computers frankly we had we still had typewriters and things of that nature so it was uh the world was a little more distance today the world is everybody knows what everybody's doing every moment of the day yeah. but i re i remember we were doing a project in singapore and singapore is a wonderful country over in the asean region of of asia it's at the crossroads really of of asia and uh <clears throat> small country but uh, a lot of people come through there and they wanted to do a park and a few of the Sig Singaporean dignitaries came to visit me and I took them around to different parks in the United States and uh, they really weren't familiar with the, the thrilling rides that we had here. Not a lot of countries were at that time and I took this one gentleman on a drop ride, kind of like the big drop at Kings Island where you come down. Only in this one, you have to be enclosed. You were sitting down, and it went out and pushed you out on the side and then dropped you down. And when we when we got off, he was absolutely snow white, and his shoes had come off. And, and these weren't casuals. These were tie shoes. <laughs> and I looked over, and he, I saw his shoes off. He was so scared, his shoes flew off. And... Uh, I said, would you like to ride this again? He looked at me like, are you crazy? <laughs> I don't ever want to see this ride. So the answer to your question is uh, they were very timid people and hadn't been exposed to these. You have to graduate people up through the different levels of thrill that we've done through the years here in the United States. So... <laughs> Uh, when we go into a country, we do research the culture, the religion, uh, societal issues, uh, children, teens, adults to see what they like. And that's that's been really fun because we've seen so many different, like the Singaporeans. Uh, in, in China, here's a great story. Uh, my company was managing the Beijing Amusement Park for about, I think we managed it for 10 years. And we put in a looping roller coaster. And I went over to, I'd go over about every month and visit with my general manager and team over there. And he said, Dennis, come down here. You have to see this. This is, 
this is funny. And he, I said, what is it? He said, just come and watch it. I want you to see. So I went down to this looping roller coaster. All these Chinese young teens are running around screaming and hollering, just like Americans. They get on the ride. They go down the first dip. What do we do in America when we go down the first dip? What do you do, Trace? Well, you put your hands up. And what else? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not a peep. <laughs> Not a peep. <laughs> totally quiet, like it was midnight. They go through the loop. Not a peep. <laughs> they go out and around the track. They come in. It comes into the station. They all disembark and they run down the exit queue and they're all screaming like mad. And, and he said, you understand why? And I said, I, well, tell me. He said, they're saving face with their girlfriends and boyfriends. They don't want to show that they're scared. So they don't scream on the ride. They wait till they get off. Oh, and that's like hilarious. It. So there, there was something. And another cute story I'll tell you very quickly. Uh, over in China as well, this was when everybody in China was still riding a bicycle, really. Uh, very few cars and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of bicycles. And we put in a turnpike ride. And with a turnpike ride, if somebody rode with you, you had to put a belt around you like you do for safety so they wouldn't uh, smack their nose or something. Well, at that point in time, the people in China had never driven, so they didn't know how to drive. Same general manager, he says, watch this. Guy gets in with his girlfriend. This is a guy that's like 30 years old, and they're in the turnpike car, and the our operator goes to put the belt on his girlfriend, and he won't let her. So he takes off, and he hits the wall, the guardrail, and she goes, bonk, and hits her nose on the front of the car. <laughs> and he said, but this guy has got his arm around her like they're going for a Sunday drive in America. <laughs> <laughs> so it's those kind of like, <laughs> like those old-fashioned cars that they have at Kings Island, where you yeah, just, yeah, yeah the antique rail. cars. Exactly, that's exactly what it was. Only boop, he hit the railing, she hit the thing, and he said it happens ten times a day, and they just won't they won't wear the belt. So, <laughs> funny things like that. I think it's neat. So for the there's a lot of authors that also tune in since this is part of Authors on the Air Network, and when yeah. you describe a roller coaster. You know, you get a big start at the beginning, something in the middle, and then a big finish. And it's like, oh, it's kind of like writing a book, you know. Yeah. And then I was looking at some of your sketches, you know, from how you conceptualize creating either a park or a ride. And it's just neat to see how it begins as a sketch for you, and then you evolve it. Well, it starts up here. It's an idea somebody has. Uh, and then we pencil sketch them out. We have artists. I'm not an artist, so I don't do that. But I, I can say I'd like to see this and like to see that. And then we we evolve it through to we get it to a point, and we'll meet with a manufacturer, and then they're able to take it to the next levels because of the engineering and uh, uh, safety concerns that they'd be familiar with. That says this will work, that won't work. This this will make sense. So. Uh, there used to be a restaurant here in Cincinnati uh, called Chester's Roadhouse. It was owned by the Commissar family, who you will remember. Mm -hmm. And it, it was out very close to Kings Island. We were there one night. We all had a few cocktails. And we had uh, we all had uh, 
we had a napkin or two and we said, you know, we ought to, we ought to invent a roller coaster that does a loop. And, uh, I'm with the, uh, uh, president of that company, Reinhold Spieldiener was his name. So we take a pen and we're drawing on the napkin and we kind of, since it could only be one rail, it had to go out and then come back around and come back into the station. It didn't go out in, in a circle. So we said, well, what if it if it came into the station too fast and the brakes didn't catch? So we we drew a tail on it. So we had a tail put on it. And that really became the King Cobra at King's Dominion. Oh. And somewhere in this office or studio, there's a there's a cocktail napkin of that ride that we designed that night on a on a cocktail napkin and sold uh, I don't know how many of them around the world. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, there was one of my kids' books I wrote in colored pencil on a piece of scrap paper because I just wanted to write down this idea and then later on became a kids' book. So it's some things just begin it, that way. It, it starts that way, and, and you never know how it's going to finish. Yeah, and I want to try to share some of the pictures of um, different yeah. things we've worked on over the years. Yeah, if I can see them, I'll talk about them. Let me see here. Be careful what you put up now for the I know. <laughs> I know. Let me see here. This one. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a great ride. Uh this was a ride uh, made by Vekoma out of uh, the Netherlands. And as you can see, uh, it's a gorilla. And this gorilla stood, if I recall, the height on that. This was for an indoor park, park over in the Middle East. And you see his arms are like this. Yeah. Well, in, in the middle is a boat with people in the boat, which loaded oh, on the cute. ground. And then he raised up and shook it like this. And the action was the people in the boat were getting all this type of motion. And I think he was about, yeah, he was about 50 feet tall. Cool. So, so it was a, it was a King Kong esque kind of ride. And, yeah. and so we were working with the manufacturer on this. And uh, yeah, you can see the boat down at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> in very yeah. light. Yeah, uh, and they offered to skin this. They could make it a, look like a robot or a pirate, <laughs> and they could take it just about any direction that we wanted to, based on the theme. That's because cool. yeah, we deal with different themes like whimsy and historical and future and fantasy so uh this was one that would work but you got him up in the air and when when he he raised up smoke came out his nose and his eyes were flashing red so that's so cool yeah that was fun let's see what else we got here yeah uh that's an that's uh what that what we call that is a floor plan for a park and this is actually the park uh, where the gorilla was. This was indoor over in 
uh, Qatar, uh, right by Saudi Arabia, and had different uh, elements. If you look in the on my screen, it's the bottom left. You can see a roller coaster. You can see a water ride. You can see a white trough, a merry-go-round, uh, spaceships uh, in there. So we had theaters. We had uh, characters that we created for, for the uh, concept. And then in the periphery, that was inside a shopping mall. And that was that that uh, area was about 350,000 square feet. Wow. So, and it was elevated. So there were things uh, around it that were second, first and second story. And when you were finished with the theme park, you could go out and eat and shop and and enjoy the the shopping mall. So it fit in. It fit inside, and it, you know, over there uh, in that part of the world in the summer, it's 120 degrees. So uh, the air conditioning felt pretty good in the summer, riding a roller coaster inside. How how long does something like this take to plan and then bring to life? Well, uh, a typical project, all things being equal, from when we began the feasibility study, and we do a lot of those here in my company, we go in and analyze the market, uh, the whole situation from uh, from the marketing, finance, investment level, till the day we turn on the light switch and let the people in. It, it's typically about 30 months, okay. about 30 months. Now, a Disney or a Universal, which are much larger and have much more sophisticated attractions. That can be five years. Okay. Oh, that's even quicker than I thought. I mean, it just seems so involved, you know? Well, when you're doing one, it goes like this, boom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess since you've done so many too, that you know the ropes and you know what to do. Well, through the years, I mean, there were times when we had four or five projects of this nature going on all over the world. So be in Moscow and have to go to Rio and be in Rio and have to go to Mexico City, be in Mexico City and have to go to Paris and be in Paris and have to it just crisscrossing the world. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And trying to keep all that in your in your mind was <laughs> pretty crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All that travel sounds nice. Now, you know, with a year of not traveling, all that sounds so nice. Well, that's the one thing I miss about, uh, I missed this last year. I went to Japan and Korea one year ago, the 1st of March, 2020, right before COVID hit. I gave a speech to the uh, Japanese Theme Park Association uh, about what was going on in the world and I looked out in the audience and half the people were sitting there like this <laughs> with masks on. I thought, I better get out of here. So yeah, uh, I, I, I spent uh, that evening and the next day and then flew over to Korea and met with actually one of the ride manufacturers uh, from Intamin uh, out of Switzerland. But he's a, he's a Korean representative, C.S. Lim. He and I had dinner and I said, you watching this crazy thing that's coming this way? He said, oh, it's not going to be a problem. It's not coming here. And I said, eh, I think I'm going home tomorrow. So <laughs> I, I <headed> out. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. That was my last international trip. Longest I've been on the ground, 
in 40 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. What else you got? You got any more pictures? Oh, I bet I do. Let me see here. I'm <laughs> trying to pull up. They're all so neat. Um, let's see. Let me see what else I got here. This one. Ah, okay. <laughs> that That's a ride that has been themed a lot of different ways, built by a European company. And it's on two large arms. It too is a kind of a large uh, seating platform that probably 80 guests can get in. Some oh. facing forward, some facing backwards. Then as the arms start to come up, it goes around like this, but also the platform goes around. So, and then if you look at the bottom, you'll see a little, like, it looks, it's a spray of water. It'll literally stop, hang the people right upside down, and their faces are about 10 feet from the water that sprays up. <laughs> Oh, and if, they, cool. if they haven't vomited, <laughs> they get a spray of water. <laughs> and face. if they have vomited, they get the spray of water. <laughs> yeah, well, it cleans them up. <laughs> We're a full service industry. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a, cool. that, that, that one makes me sick. Oh, uh, that, that, that actually is the view of it. You can see the spray going up. See it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that's so it. cool. Now, this looks like something super magical. Well, this was, uh, uh, we created a, uh air balloon ride that carried the people around the top of the ceiling of this uh, project. So they loaded on the ground like you would in a hot air balloon, and then it lifted them up, the idea, and then... They were carried on a cable around through the area, and they're looking down 70, 80 feet into the uh, the theme below. We did one of these in uh, Seoul, Korea at Latte World, and uh, uh, one of the most popular rides in the, uh, in the facility. Yeah. Wow. So when you design these, do you design just one of the rides, or do you design the whole park? Well, we'll we'll do the layout of the park. We work with different companies uh, and who have different disciplines. And ITPS, my company, will will help design. But uh, as I said earlier, we're I'm not a drawer, and my people aren't. We're more the business, practical operator side. So you have to have the operators working in tandem with the designers. Because the last thing you want to have is a designer design a staircase that goes up to a wall and doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> We're the guys who say, wait, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. But if we do this from an operating standpoint, we can make that work. So it's a, <clears throat> it's a lot of information, uh, incredible amount of information being uh, poured into uh the vat, if you will, to get the ideas to come out right and look like that. Wow. It's, it's, it's really incredible. And I'm sure you have some favorite projects that you've worked on over the years. 
Well, this is a great one. We created this, and uh, this was uh, actually my, my idea and my team, and we worked with uh, Premier Rides uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, Jim Shea's company, and this was a reverse-launching coaster. So this was a coaster, never been built before. If you look, you see kind of an oval Easter egg clear dome. This went up through the ceiling in the building. So people, when they got on the roller coaster, they came out of the station like they were going forward. When they got to a certain point, unbeknowings to them, <laughs> for, their, for their first ride, the ride turned to the left a little bit and then was launched backwards up a corkscrew. If you look at that track, you can see it's a little jiggly. Yeah. And it launched them up to the top, and they went up, uh, I think it was 120 feet straight backwards. Oh my and then God. they came down and then took off through the rest of the ride. So this was a, this was a, a reverse launching coaster. Cool. We used uh, lineal induction motors on there similar to what Tesla was experimenting with years ago, magnetic forms to launch. There's no chains here. It's, it's energy. Wow. You out. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's a crazy one. Yeah. This is a crazy one. Yeah. This is the highest Ferris wheel in the world. <laughs> it's in Heilong Bay. Uh, which is in the northernmost part of Vietnam. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, recreation area that people come to from all over the world. And this sat up on a mountain. We designed that building underneath it, with ha which had an indoor arcade family entertainment center. And then on top of it, we put this large Ferris wheel and the red that you see going around through it was a Vietnamese dragon, which lights oh. up at night. So you can see this thing for 50 miles. <laughs> yeah. It, it must be so rewarding making these creations that stand all over the world that bring every single person, for the most part, joy that takes part. You know, it, it's got to be very fulfilling. Well, I always said we don't make bottle caps. We're making, we're making things that, uh, yeah, we, I always say when I have a podcast, if you saw the I'm for fun behind you, uh, we're, I'm in my studio and we do these bi-weekly and to people in the industry. And uh, we're talking about the impact of COVID and things. And I always say uh, two things or three things, really. I say, uh, if we don't have fun, how can we sell fun? We have to have fun. I'm for fun, as you can see. And number two, I always say, uh, we're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. <laughs> and and number three is we work in the greatest industry in the world. I remind our people that we don't pollute the skies. We don't put uh, things in our streams and rivers. What do we really do? We put smiles on people's faces and we make memories that last a, a lifetime. So it's 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 really good. It it is rewarding. And uh, a lot of people in, in my industry have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. 
Well, those are wise words. And you know, if I know that there's a lot of um, younger folks who tune in to this radio yeah. show. Do you have any words of inspiration or wisdom for anybody who's wanting to explore a career like this? Well, yeah, there's a there's a path to follow. Absolutely. I get a lot of young students and people who have come to me through the years who say, how do I do this? I want to design roller coasters. Well, when we were building Kings Island 50 years ago, we didn't have roller coaster tycoon. We didn't have a computer. We wish we had. Everything was designed on a slide rule, believe it or not, the racer at King's Island, slide rule. And I always tell them, I say, look, uh, if you like the business and you really want to get in it, the best way to learn it is get a job there. Get a job at a theme park, at an amusement park. You can work in food or in beverage or merchandise or games or parking or you can work in rides, and you it'll tell you really quickly if you're going to like the business or not. So that's a that's a path. And then um, there are so many good opportunities for them to get information today through the web uh, about the industry. And then if your path wants to design roller coasters understand them from working there and having been around them like I was as a kid and then get your engineering degree and go back to Cedar Point, Kings Island, Six Flags, Disney Universal and say, hey, I want to work here and uh, let me in. Yeah. <laughs> and really, that's the way to do it. Uh, but you just, the people who come late in life to me and say, hey, I'm changing careers and I want to build roller coasters. I go, yeah, yeah, that's admirable. But at 35, I don't think you're probably going to really have the opportunity unless you've had this background. Yeah, because it seems like there you have to get it right. You have to know the engineering behind the building if you want to do the building. Well, you have to get the foundation. And the foundation yeah. is work at a park. I mean, yeah. uh, each one of these major theme parks, uh, regionals around the United States, uh, they hire five to 7,000 uh, students a season. And believe me, this year, no one has enough. Right. Kings Island just uh, uh, put out word last week they need 2,000 employees right now, and they just opened this past weekend and wow. still need 2,000. So that's a lot of people. It is. When I was younger, I volunteered with the Boys and Girls Club, and they did a Coney Island event, and they needed someone to wear the Arby's oven mitt <laughs> for the day. And I said, I'm your mitt. So you I know what? All around Pony Island that day. I thought I recognized you. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a waste of an oven mitt. <laughs> it was hot in there too. I went, oh my gosh, but they they have cooling vests and all that stuff in there. But I want to tell you a cute story. When I was running theme parks, when I was a general manager of Kings Island, I was assistant general manager there and uh, manager of Kings Dominion. Uh, I would want to go out in the park and watch the employees, see what's going on. And everybody had a radio. So if I was going out in the park, they'd say, 
Spiegel's coming out. He's on International Street. He's coming by Hanna-Barbera land. So uh, I dressed up like Scooby-Doo uh, in the costume one day. And it was a very hot day. This was in Richmond, Virginia. And it was probably in the 90s. And, oh, my God, like you said, the oven mitt was hot. Yeah. yeah. Scooby was hot. And I had that big, long tail on the, the thing. And kids were pumping the tail. Oh, yeah. Kidding. The kids, kids love those things. I had kids chasing me around. And I went, no. We used to have what we called guardettes, guarded, guardettes. We had these pretty little girls who'd walk around and say, no, you can't hit him. Well, it was so hot, we had a rule. If you pass out, you can't take your head off. You have to be dragged behind the seat. Who wants to see Mickey Mouse without his head on, right? right. Scooby-Doo or whoever, Donald Duck. So I was back there going. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did that twice. That was it for me. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, more power to them. Yeah, but, yeah that's that's uh, good advice for you know for people who want to get into it to get you know get a sense for the job and get a sense work for how there. Yeah. work there and find out and see like what it's did. like firsthand. Really, yeah, and you'll learn and you'll get a lot of good ideas because you'll see what to do and what not to do. Right, right. Well, Dennis, any imparting words of wisdom for our listeners? <laughs> Well, I would just say that uh, the industry that I've worked in my really in my entire life, uh, it's a great industry. Last uh, 2019, 2020, write it off, correct? Uh, but in 2019, over 375 million people went to theme parks in the United States more than all professional sports together. So mm. if you took baseball, football, soccer, basketball, uh, hockey, we drew more than all of them, all of those together. Uh, we really are the national pastime. We're still the best uh, price value that you can find in entertainment. If you look at concerts and sporting events, uh, we're below that ticket value. And we're typically a seven to eight hour experience. So if you divide that ticket up by number of hours, over a half a billion people went to theme parks internationally. Uh, so uh, it's a great form of family entertainment. It's where the family can go as a unit. Uh, Dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, kids, teens, they can all find something to do, go out independently and then say, let's meet under the Eiffel Tower and we'll have lunch and uh, go do something else and we'll see you at five o'clock for pizza. Uh, so it, it's a good form of, and fun of entertainment and uh, one of the safest places to be on the planet, uh, Tracy. Yeah. We, uh, we Safety is first and foremost in our industry. And uh, we do everything we can to check, 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 double check, 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 check. And if you look at us on an experiential aspect, uh, we're at the bottom of the rung. More people are hurt barbecuing, grilling, cutting the grass, mowing the uh, mowing their flowers. Uh, bar what else? I mean, playing pool uh, than than going to theme parks. So we're we're a great uh, place to be. 
So. Yep, and the source of many of my best childhood memories. So. Well, that's good, and, and yeah. I hope there's millions and millions more like you, and hope that uh, uh, we continue that. And I think we will. We're uh, one thing that'll never change about our industry is that it will always continue to change. So that's that's been great. So. Yeah. And for anybody who wants to hear more from Dennis, he has a podcast. Do you want to tell our viewers where they can yeah. hear you? Yeah, sure. Uh, where's the sign up here? It's I'm for fun. We do a bi-weekly podcast uh, at uh, you can register at www.enterthemepark.com. I-N-T-E-R themepark.com. And uh, you can hear the experts of our industry from all over the world. We just had two wonderful people on from Asia last Wednesday. Uh, I have next next podcast, uh, the president of Ripley's, believe it or not, uh, Jim Pattison. They have uh, 100 attractions around the world. So we have interesting people with great stories, a lot of fun, and uh, please tune in. We'd love to help. And it's so glad to see you, Trace. Yeah. Good to see you, too. And thank you for being here, and, and have a great day, and thank you for doing all that you do. My pleasure. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>